Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. When it comes to closing the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, progress has been slow. One area that seems to have had some success is the enrolment of children in early learning centres. According to the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, the target to have 95% of Indigenous four-year-olds in early childhood education is on track, with around 91% enrolments in 2016. Of course, there is more to early learning than enrolment. Are the children going to early learning once they've enrolled? Are they actually attending? And are they being taught in quality early learning centres? Dr Cindy Blackstock was in town to talk at the Early Childhood Australia Conference. Cindy is the Executive Director of the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society of Canada and she has 25 years of social work experience in Indigenous children's rights. Hi Cindy, how are you? Very well, thank you. Are Australia and Canada similar when it comes to our treatment of our First Nations children? Uh, Unfortunately, there are a lot of parallels. Uh, First Nations children in Canada actually receive lesser quality of public services and in some cases are denied public services that all other kids take for granted as a matter of fact. Uh, We just concluded an 11-year litigation against Canada where the Canadian government was found to be in violation of our human rights law by not providing that equitable services, and we're starting to make some gains. But it still is astounding to me that in two countries that have had so much progress and so much to celebrate, there are Indigenous children who can't get clean water to drink, they're living in overcrowded homes, and that find access to basic services uh, like quality education and early childhood still a struggle. And we're seeing that the symptoms of that in the overrepresentation of children in care, the overrepresentation of children with mental health issues, and all of those things that fall from being treated unequally. One of the focuses of uh, Early Learning Australia is to invest in the early years to have impact on the later years. Do you believe that quality early learning for First Nation for First Nation children can help to close some of those gaps that we see in later life in terms of um, mortality rates and um, incarceration and rates of incarceration and all of those other things that come later in life? We know that the very best investment any government can make is in children, and particularly younger the better. In fact, there's an institute called the Heckman Equation in the United States in the University of Chicago that says for every dollar you as a taxpayer invest in children in early childhood, you can expect to save 16 U.S. dollars downstream. But more importantly, what we're doing is setting down the foundations for these children to have healthy childhoods. But providing quality early childhood education on its own without addressing these issues about making sure children have clean water to uh, drink, making sure that they have uh, homes that are suitable for them, making sure that they have access to culturally based services, that has to be part of that constellation of supports to make sure that those early gains are continuing throughout their lifelong trajectory. And do you see, I mean, obviously, as you pointed out there, there are other things that we need to support children, Indigenous children in Australia, in terms of their access to a safe home, fresh water, 
healthy food, all of those sorts of things. But have you seen the quality of the early learning services that are offered to Indigenous children? Have you seen them improve? Yeah, I think there's much more awareness now of the importance of the integration of Torres and Strait, uh, Torres Strait Islander and Aboriginal perspectives and ways of caring for children within centres. And what I found particularly encouraging on this visit is that there's also an emphasis on educating the non-Indigenous children and the non-Indigenous the educators that are educating non-Indigenous children about the importance of uh, recognizing that. Australia is on Indigenous lands, that the Indigenous peoples of this country have contributed a significant amount to the well-being of everyone, and that we all share a, a joint responsibility to make sure that there is justice done here and back in my own country in Canada in ways that really make reconciliation real on the ground and in the lives of everyone. It uplifts everyone at the end of the day. One of the qualities that I love that they want to bring into early learning is this sense of belonging. They say that this is so important for children. How does that play out when we talk about the First Nation people of any country, a sense of belonging in early learning? What does that look like? You know, it's it's not only just belonging to a family, which is so important to all children, but it's also belonging to a country. It's belonging to the land. It's uh, being uh, belonging to the ancestors who came before you. And it's belonging also in the context of a, of a diverse world where we need to also respect and honor people of difference. Um, so there's many components to it. And, you know, I find all children, uh, regardless of what cultural group they come from, they are all naturally attracted to the land. You know, I see kids in Canada and I see a big mud puddle. There will be kids of every (laughs) cultural group in the mud puddle. Um, And it's just like they're naturally bonded with the land. But somehow, in too many of our educational institutions, we kind of train that out of them. And what I've seen here is a kind of a rebonding with some of those, those elements of the land, which I think is a very good thing, especially as the world is facing such dramatic impacts of climate change, like the drought here in Australia. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Dr. Cindy Blackstock. She's the Executive Director of of the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society of Canada. She was in Australia speaking at the Early Childhood Australia Conference. And today we're just talking about the similarities between our countries and our treatment of First Nations children in particular. Cindy, I'm wondering, in your country, have you seen an improvement in the early learning um, situation for First Nations children, and has it had an impact if you have seen an improvement? You know, on reserve for First Nations children and for Inuit children in the North primarily, there still is a real deficit of access to early learning programs, and that's something I'd really like to see changed in our country. Um, Only about a fifth of First Nations children on reserve get access to early learning programs of any quality. And it, as you have seen and, and through the conference we've all been reinforced, is that's the most critical time to kind of get in there and plant those lifelong foundations for success in a healthy living. So we need to do much more there. Where I think we've made some progress is in the litigation. We have um, brought the government of Canada to a point where it's beginning to provide equitable services for First Nations children in some areas. So... For this last year alone, they provided 111,000 services 
to children of all ages who are First Nations that otherwise would not have been provided absent the court order. So we are, I think, as First Nations people, but also brought more broadly as Canadians become aware of these inequalities, demanding that that inequality ends and that these kids uh, get the childhood that they deserve. What's the best way early learning educators can support our Indigenous children now and into the future? Well, one of the most exciting things is that there are so many good recommendations made by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities all throughout Australia on how to do exactly that. And by reaching out to those communities and really uh, having openness about involving community members in ensuring that that cultural base is there for the services and that there's proper education of the non-Indigenous kids too so they can share in the Aboriginal experience of this great country, then you can make some significant progress. Cindy, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it was a real privilege. Thank you. That's Dr. Cindy Blackstock. She's the Executive Director of First Nations Child and Family Caring Society of Canada, and she was in Australia as part of the Early Childhood Australia Conference. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.